Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone, band of the day today. Metallica, selected by our friend Andrew Reinhardt of Wasatch Medical Clinic, and brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artist insight at livenation.com. We're going to talk to David Locke coming up here momentarily. Hopefully a, a rested and rejuvenated David. Talking to he and Ron at the end of that road trip, they sounded a little exhausted. Well, they're not out on the court running up and down, but they are on the move. That travel stuff is real, yeah, man. It's, indeed. It's tough. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Get a Samsung S10 for $0 when you activate a new line of service with a flex lease now through December 26th. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Joining us now, the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He's our friend David Locke. Hi, David. How are you? We're good, man. We were just talking about uh, how grueling travel in the NBA could be. You feeling better? You get a little R and R. I'm good. Uh, I don't. Mm, um, I told you Toronto was coming, right? <laughs> yeah. Like Toronto was Toronto was the travel game of that trip. Philadelphia, we just got beat. I mean, it was uh, home teams. Hopefully, we'll take advantage of this tonight. Home teams that have a rest advantage in the NBA win 69 percent of the time. So we probably weren't winning in Philadelphia. Um, and then I don't know what the record is for home teams with a rest advantage that are undefeated at home. That, that seems like a pretty good one, too. But that was what Philadelphia was. So, David, aside from the opposition the Jazz are facing, what is? let me ask you just a comprehensive question. What is going on with the Jazz right now that's the negative? And if there's any positive alongside, what would that be? I mean, I think the negative is actually a lot simpler than we're all making it, um, including myself. Like, it was interesting. I did my podcast today, and I was in the last few days, and I've done all this pontificating on ball movement and togetherness and all this stuff. And, okay, like, we're going on five-minute droughts in every second quarter where we score four points. And we're being outscored like 17 to four. You lose when you do that. Like it's not, this is not particularly complicated actually. Like for all the other talk of all the things I'm talking about, we all could be a lot better. We could stop shooting floaters and we could pass the ball more and our assist rate should be a lot higher. And there's all, okay, we've got to stop having these like offensive, we're 30th in the league in offensive rating in the second quarters, 30th. Like, okay, let's solve that. Like, I don't know how. I don't have an answer to it. But, like, if we solved that, everything else would look a million times better. David, I want to ask you about the floaters. Um, And Mike Conley, of course, has hit those at a pretty consistent rate throughout his career. Uh, That hasn't necessarily been the case yet this year. But we're seeing Donovan shoot a lot more. So is this just something they've worked in? Or let's talk about this for a sec. All right. So let's address the first thing. You can't not shoot them. Like, you're not going to shoot zero of them. I mean, I guess Houston doesn't shoot any of them. But, like, you're not just shooting zero. That's that's probably not happening. Um, right? I mean, like, your best case scenario, you're still taking 20% of your shots as mid-range shots in the NBA, even if everything else goes right. So there's you're going to have to shoot some. But 
Mike Conley, like we all talk about how well he shot them in his career. He shot them, I think, like his best is like at 44%. That's still only 0.88 points per possession. That's not that good. Right? The league averages 1.1 points per possession. You get in the half court, the league averages like 0.94 points per possession. This is 0.88. The league average on a shot in the paint, non-restricted area is 39%. So Mike's really good because he's 5 percentage points better than the league average. But the league average is so bad, it's just a bad shot. Like, it's a really bad shot. Just mathematically and even just in reality, it's a bad shot. I get it. It's because there, I understand why it's being taken. The bigs in the NBA have generally moved from kind of where they are to five feet back. And so now they're really sitting on top of the rim. It's largely because of Rudy Gobert and what Milwaukee did last year with Brooke Lopez. And so it's really, really hard for a ball handler. Like if the bigs up five feet, Donovan goes around him and does that beautiful corkscrew wrap layup and scores it. But right now the bigs all the way back and you can't you can't get to the rim and so that's your that's where that happens so you're gonna he's gonna have to adapt and figure out is that drip a nash dribble around the baseline is that what is that i don't i don't entirely know i understand exactly why it's happening but i also understand exactly how bad it is and so it's got to go away we cannot lead the league in that shot and be a be a good offensive team so those two things you cannot overcome that and so is the reason that the Jazz ranked 27th in assists related to what you just talked about? Is it the fact that they're missing shots and it's hard to get assists when guys miss shots? Or is it whatever is leading up to the kinds of shots they're getting? Or is it not that? I think it's because they're taking the floater. You know, that's like an unassisted shot, right? Like, you're not getting an assist on that. No one's getting an assist on that. But you understand, like, all of our guys are coming around the curl or coming off the pick and roll and coming into the lane to take that shot. And... They and and all these guys are so good, such good players that they're coming around those curls, thinking I'm gonna sh- like I got I gotta get my shot. I'm getting my shot. They're not thinking. Am I? And, and it's too fast to think to think like should I shoot? Should I do this? Should I like you can't like that doesn't work. You got to come with an intention, and then I guess if the, if it's not there, you're gonna have to react really quickly. But the other thing that's happening is that that we're finding out is that. When you have really good shooters, you know what teams do? They guard them, <laughs> which is really inconvenient. <laughs> like, it'd be really, really cool if teams wanted to treat Boyan Bogdanovich the way they cheated, treated Jay Crowder and if they wanted to treat Mike Conley the way they did Ricky Rubio because we'd be awesome. But that doesn't work that way, right? Like, they're not letting Mike Conley open. They're not letting Boyan Bogdanovich. Or Donovan's coming around on that pick and roll in this curl, and, and they're holding to the outside shooters. And so there aren't a lot of really wide-open passes or passing lanes there. And so the answer is probably a dribble underneath and around the other side if you can. David, Gordon and I were talking about the bench yesterday, and you and I talked about the bench during crosstalk uh, in Philly. About you, were, you mentioned those scoring droughts earlier in, in the interview, and you, I asked you if there was any connective tissue with those scoring droughts, and we all of a sudden were talking about the bench, of course. Uh, that, is, that has been difficult this year. And, and Gordon kind of asked me the major differences between this year's bench and last year's bench, and I gave him my best answer. But what would your answer to that be? Who's the... What are they missing that they had last year? Well, I mean, I think, you know, Derek Favors going up against a backup center was a pretty big advantage that you had in, in, on the lineup. And then Favors and Ingles played the pick and roll. It wasn't as good as we remember it, but it wasn't this, right? I think there's a little bit of a, um, you know, 
uh, revisionist history on, on what we really think was going on with that compared to what it was, but that was nice. I mean, there were days in which it dominated, um, and there were, you know, there were days in which it was really very good, and you at least had an identity of what you were trying to do at that point. Um, you know, you were running Joe Ingles, Derek Favors, pick and rolls for a large part of that. We, you know, maybe Joe is going to end up playing a little bit more point guard coming up after his performance in the second half of the Philadelphia game and putting the ball back in his hands. The problem with putting the ball in Joe's hands is then Joe, the shooter, is not available. Um, and so that's difficult. And particularly if you're playing, trying to play Exum and Moutier, neither of which are shooters. Now, you'd like to have your non-shooter have the ball in his hands because then they have gravity. Um, so this is all very, very complicated on, on whether, what the right answer on all of it is. Um, but the second unit does not have an identity and, and needs one to some extent. David, is there frustration swelling up uh, inside this team? Or I imagine guys are, are a little bit uh, upset with what, the way this is going. Uh, how, how is the team hanging together? Well, I don't think... NBA players like being down 40 in the first half and 20 in the second in the, you know, you know, they've been down by a lot. So, you know, if they wasn't frustration swelling, I'd be way more concerned. Now I don't want, I want to be careful because I don't know what everybody hears. And I'm not being critical, Gordon, but I think you understand this as well as I do in the amount of years you've been in this business. Like the way you phrase that's pretty open-ended, right? Locke says there's frustration brewing. That could mean, well, guys are pissed that they lost, or that could mean like chairs are being thrown. I, I don't know. Right? I'm not trying to say chairs are being thrown. But certainly, you know, no one's particularly happy when they've lost four out of five games, um, despite the fact that, frankly, we were underdogs in four out of five games. So um, I'm not, um, you know, I, but I don't think anyone's particularly pleased with, with how things are going right now. If I were to phrase that a little differently, as far as the mental side goes, is something broken? Uh, not physically, but mentally. Uh, I don't think so. Um, but I mean, they were down 40 the other night, so they were fatigued, fatiguingly broken. Um, like, I don't think it's like when the bobblehead doll pops off the spring and you can't get the bobblehead back on the spring no matter what you do. Like, there's just no chance, right? Your kid's bobblehead doll falls, and, like, it's just not going to bobble anymore. There's no way. You're never putting that back together. Um, but, you know, certainly there were some things that were dented during that trip. Hey, David, uh, real quick before we let you go, I know you're an NBA guy and, and pay little attention to college football, but I know you do keep an eye on things. I was curious, did you hear uh, Paul Feinbaum's comments today about Utah compared to Oklahoma? Um, no. Austin? But, I mean, that's just an, S- that's an SEC honk that's probably getting money under the table from SEC recruits <laughs> from schools. So, I, I couldn't agree I more. Don't know, but, I don't know that to be true. I don't know that to be true, can, but I mean... Can we play it for just, you, though? I want to get your reaction. No, can, we, can we play it for you? Come on. Why, why, are we, why, are we giving, why are we giving an SEC honk more airtime to foster our concerns on life? I actually think the opposite's going on, frankly, from most of the news I've heard. I said this to Hans the other day. I think the best thing that ever happened to Utah was Oregon losing... Utah would not be in any of this conversation at all, and so now people are actually looking and addressing who Utah might be, and if they play well enough on Saturday, I think they got a real chance. All right, fair enough. Uh, thank you, David. No, you can play. You can play it if you want to. I mean, I mean, you know, if we want to like 
promote the SEC so that their four good teams can go lose to each other and then beat a bunch of really bad teams that would be terrible in every conference and then talk about how great those four teams are. We can do that. That's what they do all the time. No, no, no. We we played it earlier in the show. We'll probably end up playing again. And you gave us your reaction. He just he didn't make any argument. He just dismissed Utah because it's he Utah. Said, he said the country doesn't want to see the Utah play. Right. And it's just such a just such a ridiculous argument. It 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 um, encourages outrage, which is why why we play it. Um, the irony of small town southern cities making fun of Utah's unique. Right, right. I hadn't thought about it from that angle. That's also true. <laughs> All right, David. Well, we'll see you over here at the arena, man. It will be okay. good to to actually see you. I feel like I haven't seen you in a while. I'll introduce myself. All right, buddy. We'll see you over <laughs> see here. That's David Locke, radio voice of the Jazz. I if, if Paul were just giving his opinion and saying like uh, I believe that Oklahoma should be in over Utah, I don't think it would be getting the run that it's getting. It's uh, it's just dismissing Utah, yeah. especially it just it, it's another he, he hasn't watched them. You can't you can't dismiss Utah if you've watched them. This year. You it, just it, can't. Yeah, but it's uh, the the reason that I think it has anything really worthy of discussion is is this the attitude some people on the committee have? Right. That's that is. I mean, Paul Feinbaum. That doesn't really matter what he thinks. It's one person. It's whatever. But is this an attitude that maybe some on that committee have? Hmm. And I know some people are saying, well, if there was an attitude on the committee, then why would they have ranked Utah ahead of Oklahoma? Oh man, don't be naive like that. Hmm. Don't be naive like that because Oklahoma is six, Baylor is seven. That is prime material for that committee to say, if the Sooners beat the Bears, then watch them jump. Want to remind you, call Action Plumbing. Get your preseason furnace tune-up and safety check for 33 bucks. Call 801-833-3333, Action Plumbing. You can also go to actionplumbing.net. More straight ahead, Frank Dolce, top of the 4 o'clock hour, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.